right, tonight we're going to be talking about the difference between a prophet and a rebel. Have you guys ever thought about that, how close and how similar they can be? They're both claiming, they're both making truth claims, right? They're saying this is what's right, except one is hearing from the Lord and the other one is hearing from themselves. So how can we tell the difference? How do you know if you are hearing from God or if you're hearing from yourself and saying it's God? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We need you, God. Just like every day, we need you here now, Jesus. Lord, speak through me, Lord, and give hearts um, a ready, just willing attitude to accept whatever you say, Jesus. Just be present in this room. We love you, and we need you. Amen. Yeah. So, I think, um, and I've seen in my, like, 12 years of walking with Jesus now, I've seen a very close relationship to this, and it can be kind of scary, because see, I've seen it in myself, and I've seen it in my friends, and this is something that we, we have to know. If, is this God I'm hearing from or not? So we're going to go to the scripture. A uh, little background first. We're going to be in the book of Numbers, if you want to turn to it, Numbers 16. But so this is when the Israelites are walking through the desert, right? The Lord has saved them out of Egypt, and they've gone, and th this is actually right after... All the spies have gone into the promised land, into what will be future Israel. And all of them came back except for these two guys. And they said, this land can't be taken. It's full of giants. Right? Except for this guy Joshua and this guy Caleb said, no, the Lord is with us and we can take it. Right? And so the Lord is actually pretty upset with Israel right now because they're afraid. They say, no, we can't go. They, the spies said that it's impossible. And so the Lord said, well, since you didn't believe me, now you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years until the only adults left are Joshua and Caleb. They're going to be the only ones that get to go into the promised land because they're the only ones who trust me. So this is right after that. And so Moses, if you don't know, he's the prophet that the Lord has chosen to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. And again, the Hebrews, the people, are constantly complaining and rebelling against God. So here we go. Numbers 16, starting in verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, a lot of names, right? And on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took, uh, took men, and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You, too, you take too much upon yourself. For all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves among the, above the assembly of the Lord? So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. The one he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. And then we're going to skip down, because some more stuff happens. They argue, you can go read it yourself. You probably should anyway. So down to verse 30, Moses is continuing. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, talking about these people coming against Moses, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods." What a way to go, <laughs> right? Like, hey, if, 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 you're, if you're the one that the Lord is saying, right, not me, 
then fine, whatever. But if I'm the one who's right and you're rebelling against the one that the Lord has chosen, then what a crazy, I would never have thought, hey, like, Lord, open up the ground and eat them all. And then it happens. And the crazy thing is, right after this, if you keep reading, the next day the Israelites come back to Moses and like, it's your fault all those people died. Like they didn't learn from the day before of what rebelling against the Lord and Moses does. And so the Lord struck them with a plague, and over 14,000 of them died until Moses says, Lord, please no, don't kill anymore. And again, Moses saves them, right? The guy that they're all mad at, he's the one who saves him. So Moses the prophet versus Korah and his rebellion. What does prophecy really mean? What does it really mean? We hear this a lot, and before I became a Christian, before I read the Bible, I always thought it meant future telling, right? He's going to make a prophecy of the future. Like the, he's gonna prof- someone prophesied about 9-11, 100-something years ago, whatever. Prophecy simply means a revelation or a message from God. That's all it simply means, which can include telling the future. But it's, it's really not, not all of it, and most of the time I found that it's not that. Much of the time, prophecy is simply a way for God to speak into someone's life through another person. That's what I've seen mostly in my life when, when people have come to me and I can say, that's the Lord. This person is speaking to me. The Lord sent them to me. And at least one time in my life, the Lord gave me a very specific word for a very specific person. He said, call them right now and tell them. And I called them and I told them. Just recently, I heard a, uh, a fairly big name pastor make a prophecy about something. And uh, it didn't come to pass. It didn't come to pass. This was, he was trying to tell the future. And what he said was, when, it, when he realized it failed, he said, well, prophecy is hard sometimes. <laughs> That is completely the wrong idea. Prophecy is not a skill to gain. It's not something that you, like, you work up at. It's not like going to the gym. You don't learn how to do it. You don't get better at it. It's simply hearing from the Lord and relaying a message. That's all it is. So I guess the best you could say is I'm learning how to hear the Lord more. But the Bible says if someone makes a prophecy and it doesn't come true, that person is called a false prophet. It's not where I want to be. Being a prophet does not mean that you are perfect. We see that throughout the Bible, prophets, people the Lord has chosen, make mistakes all the time. Moses being one of them. But the difference is they listen to correction. They listen to correction. So be very afraid. Has anyone ever said this? God told me. Be very afraid to use those words. Because if you're wrong, you are now a false prophet. If you would not change your answer, right, if you come up to someone, I mean, guys, this is so, it's so dumb because most of the time I've heard about this, it's about dating. It's about dating, right? Oh, God, of all the things, right, like the Lord's trying to teach me, no, this is the one big thing God specifically told me. I heard his voice, the clouds parted, and there's this picture of this person. All right, I'm, I'm going to, I like to ramble, so I'm going to ramble right now. Um, I went to school at Sam Houston. I got involved in Kyle at Sam Houston. Our pastor preached a message, had nothing to do with dating or relationships or anything like that. After the message, this guy came up to him and was like, I loved your message. It was awesome. The Lord spoke to me. He says, well, what did he speak to you about? He told me the girl I'm going to marry. And the, he's like, I don't know how you got that. Oh, whatever. And then another guy comes up. That was a great message. The Lord spoke to me. He said, I'm going to marry this girl. It was the same girl. So, I, I don't know, you know, 50% chance of being right between those two, I guess. Until eight more guys came up and all said the same girl. 
And so the next time our pastor preached a message similar, he said, okay, here's what's not going to happen. The Lord's not going to tell you to break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend tonight at least, and he's not going to tell you who you're going to date or marry. Get it out of your mind. Get it completely out of your mind, right? But so many times I've heard people say, God told me. And I know the Lord hasn't spoken that because so many times, obviously I can't say whether you're supposed to date a person or not, but so many times I've heard it be a very unbiblical thing, which we know the Lord would never speak. And when they say, God told me, they're actually saying, I don't care anymore because they know if they say, God told me, you can't say anything against it. And that makes you someone who is blaspheming the name of God for a stupid lie. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that rebel. So here's three things that I think, to simplify everything, that we can reflect on in regards of this. Am I hearing from God or am I deifying my opinions? So the first thing I see in people who love the Lord, who hear from him, him, people that the Bible would call a prophet, is that humility is the death sentence for the opinionated person. Humility is the death sentence for them. Philippians 2 says, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. In Romans 12, it says, To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. We can even sum this up in saying when we're when we're calling ourselves people who love Jesus, God is who he says he is, and he does what he says he will do. That's a given, right? You can't change that. Here's the big thing. We have to realize that we are not him. We are not him. We have to let him be him. And so many times, these things that we call facts, right? Or when we're talking about spiritual things, we might call it theology, so many times these facts are actually really just opinions, right? Uh, I'm a very opinionated person. I will gladly tell you my opinions on a thing and how I am right and you are wrong, like Lord of the Rings is the best movie. Not a, okay, y'all aren't saved. Um, if you don't pick up your dog's poop when you're walking it, shame on you. If you drive in the bike lane, mm That'll be another sermon. <laughs> I'm very opinionated, and my best friend Daniel just laughed because he knows how opinionated I am. There was a, there was a staff meeting a few years ago where we were, we were trying to figure out, because it, it can be hard to get rooms on campus sometimes, whether it's our fault with forms or their fault because they lost the sticky note of our reservation. True story. It can be hard, and so we're like trying to figure out, look, do we just want to avoid all that? Do we want to meet at this church here, actually? This was several years ago. Or do we want to try and fight to meet on campus? And we're discussing it, and I was very much, no, we need to meet on campus. There are people who won't step foot in a church, but they'll go to a classroom. And several other people are like, well, if we meet at the church, right, like we have this awesome worship set up. It makes everything easier, and people, like, they're challenged to then step. And so we're going back and forth, back and forth, and I'm very much, no, campus, campus, campus. And then Daniel, he's like, you know what, we're just going to make a choice. I say we're going to meet at the church. And I had two choices then. I could either stamp my foot down, like, no, you're wrong. That's a stupid idea. I listed out all my, didn't you hear my, all my great arguments? But instead, because I love Daniel and I love this family here, and I realize that I'm not the only one that hears from God. I'm not the only one with opinions. 
And so then I became a preacher for meeting at the church. Hey, guys, we're going to meet at the church. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. The Lord's going to move. And he did. Thank God he did. And what I learned is submission is actually more difficult than rebellion. It's easy to rebel. It's very easy to hold on to your opinions. Right? And then we never would have seen what the Lord had done here. One of my good friends said this. He said, grace is like water. It always flows to the lowest places. That's what humility is. Right? It's not lifting yourself higher than you are. It's bowing low. Right? Because what did we see Jesus do but take the, the place of a servant washing feet? If I want to be like him, then I need to do what he does. And he bows low. The God of the universe, right? If he could humble himself so much as to wash his friend's poopy feet, because that's what their feet were back then. They were sandals. Animals would just defecate on the road as you're walking. The Lord of the universe bends low <laughs> and washes the crud off your feet. So what, what else can I do? Hearing from God comes to those who are listening to him, to those who are bowed low at his feet, those who are near to him. So that goes to the second thing we want to think about. Being near to God brings the brokenness of God. If you're so close to someone, you will, almost like you'll suck in how they're feeling, right? If someone comes into a room and they're grumpy, everyone's going to get grumpy, right? If someone comes in, what's, what's it called? Debbie Downer, right? And it could be, party could be going great, everyone's having fun, and then Mopey comes in and everyone's like, I, I think I'm going to go home actually, guys. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalms 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When the rebellious congregation came before Moses, right, they're all angry. If they had pitchforks back then, they'd have them in the torches. Their lips were flowing with gossip and excuse. They're making excuses. How dare you? Like, we're all holy. We could do this. They're just angry and hateful. And what did Moses respond with? He fell on his face with brokenness. And he looked to God. He said, God will show us, Right? He didn't, he didn't try and stake his claim. No, I'm the man. It's me. Didn't you see I, when I put my staff, I parted the water? Didn't you see all the miracles that we did in Egypt? Don't you remember that? No, he said, if what you're speaking is true, then God will show me. So we'll put it to the test tomorrow. And they realized way too late that they were wrong. Once you get saved, your walk is not about you. It's not about you anymore. Up to that point, it's just you learning who Jesus is, speaking to Jesus. It's like a one-on-one -on -one hangout for a while. But then you meet him. And what does he tell his best friends, his disciples? Great, we're best friends. Now you're my family. Now go find more. Go feed my sheep. Go make disciples among all the nations. If you are still focused on yourself after knowing Jesus and giving your life to him, then your walk is either regressing or it was false from the beginning. And you never got saved. You maybe said a prayer and someone told you you're saved. But you haven't given your life to Jesus. 
We see Jesus on this earth, and he was solely focused on the Trinity and building the family. That's all he cared about. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he sweat blood. Everything he did, that's why when the crowds came and he was exhausted, it said he had compassion upon them because he wanted them. So when, when he looked over Jerusalem, it says he lusted for Jerusalem to be his. And then we're told when there's a new heaven and a new earth, heaven will come down upon Jerusalem and that will be his new throne on this earth in Jerusalem. And he'll get it in the right way, in the right time. But he was only focused on the Lord and us. You weren't even born yet. Not for another couple thousand years. And everything he did was because he was focused on us. We hear him say, not my will, but your will. This is the attitude of a prophet. Not my will, but your will, God. It's in every gospel. There won't be complaint or gossip in your life because you're too focused on Jesus and his family rather than yourself. That's why rebels complain. They complain and they gossip they backbite, they build their rebel armies because they're all focused on themselves, their own opinions. But disciple makers, if you go through LTC, you'll hear this a bunch. And then if you become a small group leader, you will know this. Disciple makers are punching bags. Some of you guys might even see in your small groups another small group member going through something, and it just looks like your small group leader is getting the crud beat out of them by this guy or girl. And you can see the tears behind their eyes. And he, but you don't see all the weeping and the prayer going on in the background. Maybe you do. Maybe you're that close to your small group leader. <laughs> Got to be hard on the outside. And I don't mean hard and angry. I mean you have to have tough skin. Right? Jesus had tough skin. He looks at this earth. And, uh, but he has a soft inside. He weeps. Peace from the Lord will always lead to truth and power. Right? We see that with Moses. He put his trust in the Lord. He put his peace in the Lord. When everything in the world is going around, when all these people that he helped save out of slavery are coming at him angrily, he tried to find his peace in the Lord, and the Lord showed up in power and truth. A rebel comes and tries to find peace from themselves, and it only leads to either a fight from Satan, right, fighting at the wrong things, for the wrong things, or when you realize you're going to lose, a rebel will always run away because their conviction isn't good enough to die for like ours is. They'll always run away. Who you trust will either lead to stability or trust issues. If you trust yourself, you're going to get trust issues. And it's going to have a hard time trusting others and trusting Jesus because you know yourself too much and you know that you're not you're not worthy to trust, so why would anyone else be? When a rebel claims truth, it leads to self-righteousness and division. If anyone's been in the church for long enough, I'm sure you've seen a church split, either in your church or a friend's church, or you've heard about one. That's a rebellious heart coming up. Uh, I didn't plan on telling a story, but I guess I will. Uh, the church I went to years ago, pastor is an amazing, beautiful man, wonderful, godly guy, like the guy that he comes up to you and you just know that you are loved by him, even if he doesn't know your name. And he had a pastor's assistant who he loved. They were best friends. He would rely on him for everything, his right-hand man. And this false prophet came into the church and went up to this associate pastor, and he said, you know what you're going to do? 
because the devil was probably leading this guy, and he knew the desires of this pastor's heart, this associate pastor's heart. And, and the Lord wants churches to be, to be grown, right? We, uh, we're sending out the McReynolds to go plant a new Chi Alpha in Brownsville. That's a beautiful thing, right? We are sending them out. We're saying, hey, go be a conquering army for Jesus, right? We're, sen- we're saying our blessing is with you. In fact, take, take our people. Take them. We believe in you. Satan comes in, and he makes things happen. He tries to make things happen at the wrong time in the wrong way in the wrong manner with the wrong heart. So this associate pastor had this, this idea of, you know, I think the Lord wants me to plant a church one day. And instead of it being a family thing where the pastor can say, I'm going to send you out, right? We're brothers, and I trust that you can go do this work for the Lord. This false prophet comes in and says, you need to go do it now on your own. And the church split, and people left. And this guy tried to start his own church with this bad attitude, without any love or blessing from his family, and his church died in a few months. And I don't even know what he's up to now. When a rebel claims truth, it leads to division. When a prophet claims truth, it leads to repentance and holiness. That's what it can lead to. Which means, our third thing is, restoration is the heart of God. Restoration is his heart. Acts 3 says, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Hosea 6 says this, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he's torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. The whole Bible is here for us so that we can learn that the Lord wants to restore us to how he originally envisioned us. Sin was, he knew it would happen, but it is not, it was not his plan. It is not what he wanted. It is not what he desired. And it's not what he desires today. Right? It breaks his heart every time. It really does. But restoration is his heart and he wants us back. Right? Jesus came because he wants us back. He died on the cross because he wants us back. And he has hope for every single one of us in this, in this family here, in this building, in this valley, in this country, in this world, to follow him. That's his hope, and that's what he came for. So here's what we need to do. We need to find what is honorable and lift, those, lift up those that we think are wrong. We need to lift them up to the Lord. Because remember, my opinions aren't worth holding on to. They're, they're mostly trash. You know, at the end of the day, all my opinions are probably stupid. I'm not an expert in, in anything, really. So my opinions are probably wrong. But the Lord speaks to others, right? Chi Alpha is our local family on this campus. UTRGV, any, really, this Chi Alpha is, is just college-age people in the valley. That's all it is, like, whether you're on the campus or not, STC, UTRGV, if you work full-time. I don't even know how many, and I'm not going to raise your hands, but I, I'm sure most of the people here don't even go to college, which is awesome. It's fine. There's nothing pro- no problems with that. But this, is, this family here is simply, we're just trying to reach the other people like us in this valley. That's what it is. That's all this Chi Alpha is. That's all Chi Alpha. We put a name on it. Right, we say Chi Alpha because it fits more in with the college. I don't want to. I hate the word vibe. Vibe. There's an opinion for you. 
But that's what it is. It's a family. We are a family here, right? And so when you come to Jesus, when you join his family, it's called a marriage, right? When you marry him, you marry his family. This is our family. And a marriage says, for better or for worse, I will fight for God in this relationship. Yeah. One thing we say is, if, if you want to walk away from God, if you want to walk into the gates of hell, you're going to have to step over Jesus' body, and mine's going to be right next to him. You're going to have to step over both of us. That's how much I love you, because that's how much he loved you. Amen. So rebels arise, though, when challenge or disagreement comes. And, and with all this stuff, we're not talking about heresies. Right? We say major in the majors, minor in the minors. If someone, if I on this pulpit say Jesus is not the Christ, he didn't die on the cross, he didn't rise again, throw me out of this building. Throw me out. Don't listen to a thing I say. But if I start saying stupid things like if you don't watch Lord of the Rings, which I think you should, but write the joke I made. If I say, no, if you really, really, if you don't watch Lord of the Rings, no, you're not saved actually. That's deifying my stupid opinions. Right? And then if I held that opinion and I get challenged, or when disagreement comes, I'm going to rise up in army. That's what rebels do. I'm going to rise up in army. I'm going to challenge you. And if I can win to where now this is our new Lord of the Rings cult, then I won. But if I realize, like, okay, the battle's not going my way, I'm going to go over here and start my Lord of the Rings church over there. Right? And we'll probably steal some stuff. The attitude of a prophet, right? Because this is our family. The attitude of the prophet is we, us. Our family has a... Because I'm sure our church, I'm sure our Chi Alpha here, I'm sure we have... There's some probably from prevailing attitudes, whether it's of our times or of our culture, of our region. There are things we need to fix, right? We're working to become more and more like Jesus every day. As he reveals himself more, we want to grow in that equally, Right? There's still things he's teaching us. But the rebel, the rebel comes and says, no, my way. The prophet comes to lead people back to God. The rebel comes to lead wherever pleases them personally. 1 Corinthians 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members... But all members of that body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were baptized into one body. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to have some of that tonight. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink in one spirit. The prophet comes in and says, this is our family. We and us. The rebel comes in. He starts saying, they, them. Right? Korah rises up. He gets his guys. They, Moses and Aaron, they, look at what they did. Whereas if there was a real issue and this guy really loved Jesus, he would say, man, we have some problems here and uh, we need to go talk to Moses because our family needs to be fixed, right? The, um, what's called the Reformation with Martin Luther. Back when, if, if, you were, if you're a Christian, you were part of the Catholic Church, unless you lived a little east and you were part of the Eastern Church. Luther comes in, he's, he's learning about the Bible, he's going through... I, I guess you call it uh, priest school. I don't know. <laughs> Seminary. And he's reading the Bible, and he's saying, a lot of the things we practice are wrong. Right? You can't buy your way into heaven. Indulgences aren't good. You can't 
right? You can't just go sin and then put 10 bucks in the tithe box and be like, hey, there's my heaven ticket. And so he nailed the 95 thesis thinking our family needs to be fixed. When it realized, when it came to pass that actually the establishment was the rebels, right? The people in charge were being the rebels and they tried to kill him. No one's safe from this attitude, right? Only the people at Jesus' feet will be safe. They can rise up in any of us. I'm so happy I'm not rich and I don't have power and I don't have great intellect because it just seems like those are curses destining you to become a rebel, right? Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man. doesn't say it's impossible. That applies to anything. Anything that I can boast in is just another thing that will make it my arguments, my inner arguments easier to rebel against the people of Jesus and himself. I have my own thoughts on theology, my own thoughts on how best to minister, my own thoughts on books and music, on how I can grow closer to Jesus. But how dare I abandon my brother or sister in Jesus because of differing opinions, right? We, uh, I think it was about a year ago, we were always talking about we're a family, but we're also an army, right? Jesus makes us a family so that we can be an effective army and go out and make a bigger family. That's what we're about. That's, that's why we are here. Right? Because it's not about us anymore. But how dare I, right? We do booth. We've done the booth. I don't know. I'm sure we met a lot of you at the booth we would do on campus. There's some people that can come in. Oh, this booth is stupid. We don't want to do this. And this was my opinion way back before we did the booth. And the Lord used it. Right? But if I came in and said, no, we're not doing this, then I'd, several of you wouldn't be here. So how dare I say that I... Right, we're in a combat, we're in fight. How dare I turn my tail and run because we differ? The same thing, how dare I claim that anyone who has been covered by the blood of Jesus isn't clean, isn't saved because we have different theological issues. Again, not heresies, that's one thing. But we're going to baptize people by dunking them. There's some people that think we can sprinkle them. And how dare I say, oh, you think you can sprinkle them? You're not a Christian, you don't know Jesus. That's deifying my opinions. That's the attitude of a rebel. And you guys, while, while we're talking about all these things, obviously a lot of these don't apply to you. Whatever's rising up in you that you know, okay, that might sound like a little bit of an individualistic spirit, something to rebel against Jesus. My own opinion, kill that thing. Kill it. Don't, don't let it speak. Don't let it speak for a second. We are a family whether you like it or not. And I don't even just mean right here. Any church you drive down the street and you see it, that's full of your brothers and sisters. Everyone on this earth and in this room that has given their soul to Jesus is your brother and sister. We have forgotten what family and loyalty means in our culture. Because if you don't like one church family, right? If, the, if I say something that theologically you don't like, or if Daniel changes some lyrics to a song, oh, that's my song, he changed it, Right? You can go down to the street to the next church family. And then if you keep that attitude, well, a year, two years may pass, and then someone in the church might say something against you that upsets you, and, well, there's another church down the next block. And you do that over and over until you die. Because you're a rebel. I don't want to be a rebel, I want to be a prophet. So we must weep for and submit to our family, God's family, who loves us. I'm not the only one who hears from God. My, my best friends know that Daniel and 
and Steve, and they know that they can come up to me, and if they've heard from the Lord, or even if they just are strongly, this is where I even, I even let my friends' opinions, I, I'll even listen to that because they love me. I'm not making an absolute claim. You don't have to do that. But if my friend comes up with a strong opinion on what would be good for my life, well, I know that person would die for me, so why would I not listen? Right? But I know, I know that they, they hear from the Lord, and I trust that the Lord can use them to speak to me, so how dare I stop that avenue? Right? I'm not going to lift my opinions up higher than that. My family needs me to hear from God to sharpen them. That's you guys. And I need my family to be sharpened. Again, that's you guys. I can trust in the love of God and others. A rebel has trust issues. Only the Lord speaks to me and the people that think like me. They're the only ones that heard from him. That's wrong. So tonight, we're going to welcome some of our friends into this family of God, celebrating with baptism, right? Nathan, if you want to come up. <laughs> so baptism, this is what bapt everyone who's getting baptized, this is what you are saying in your heart. This is what I said in my heart. I have been a rebel fighting God and his family my whole life. I'm tired of it. I judge myself worthy of death by the sins of attitude and action that I have lived by. The things that have defined my life, the sins, I don't want it anymore. I want to give it to Jesus. I no longer want to be the king of my own life. I no longer want to hold an individualistic attitude, but instead I want to be a child of God and a sibling in his family. Right? I don't want to hold on to my opinions higher than the word of God. I don't want to reject my friends who love me because I have some stupid disagreement with them. I don't want to leave the fight of Jesus, right? Jesus is out in this world fighting for souls. I don't want to leave that just because I'm too stubborn, because I don't want to bow. It's scary. It's scary to put your trust in people. And this is what I mean by you have to have thick skin because people will let you down. You will give your trust to people and they will hurt you. They will. But what do you do? Do you either let your heart be hardened, right? We want, we want hard skin, not hard hearts. If we, if we let our hearts get hardened, you will become a rebel. And you'll be just like Satan, who says, I will rise above this on my own. Or you can be like Moses and fall on your face and say, Jesus, this sucks. It really hurts. Lord, I need you. Only you can bring me peace, Jesus. Only truth comes through you. You show me what's going on. Is my heart wrong? Am I wrong? And you go and you bow down and he kisses feet. And here's the cool thing. He'll lift you up. If you give him the attitude of, of humility, he'll lift you up. He'll say, you're not some scumbag. You're not Satan. You're not a rebel. Again, if you aren't being one, he'll say, you're a, you're a princess and a prince in my kingdom. And I, the best example I've ever heard is of honor is this. Because we, we want a culture of honor here, right? That means that I'm going to throw away my opinions, right? Because you matter, because Jesus has washed in his blood. This is the best example, vision of honor I've heard, is that Jesus is holding a crown over your head. He's, we're told we're going to have crowns if we, if we enter into eternity with him. And we're still growing, so we're, you know, maybe five foot four. <laughs> and he's holding the crown above your head, to, higher than you think you can grow, but then he bends down, 
and he lifts you up into it. Right? I may, I may think I'm down in the mud because I might actually fall into the mud because I'm being stupid and selfish. But he lifts you out of that. He says, if you come with me, I'll make you royal. You'll become beautiful and you'll change. You'll be part of my family and I'll speak to you and I'll use you to speak into the lives of others and life will flow out of you because the Holy Spirit is in you, right? So let's just take a few minutes, just no more than five minutes and um, ask the Lord to point out the things in your life that you might be holding on to opinions. And if you dare, ask the Lord for a word. Ask him for a word. He might give you something that is just for you. He might give you something for a friend. The thing is, I don't ever want to speak. I don't want to ever speak prophetically if there can't be tears in my eyes. Because the things I'm saying to someone, if I believe it's coming from the Lord, then it has eternal value, and I better take it that seriously. So we're going to hang out with the Lord for just a few minutes. And uh, yeah, I'll let you guys have some time.